for those listening, if you hopefully you know who Anna Sitar is on TikTok. If not, um, just look up Anna Sitar and she'll pop up. <laughs> I think she has like 12 million followers. Yeah. And she's a great creator, very likable. And she launched her brand. And there's another small business. And I know they had a sweatshirt or a shirt or products with the same phrase, I'm so happy you're here. So basically, everybody wants to know, like, who's in there, who's right, who's wrong. And people thought Anna Sitar was wrong. I actually don't think she was wrong. Hey, CEOs, welcome back to the CEO Wing Woman Show. I'm your host, Christy Bowie, and today we are here with Andrea Sager. Andrea is the CEO and founder of Legalpreneur, which is a legal tech startup that actually focuses on offering more affordable services for the legal space to businesses of all sizes, which you guys know is something I am very passionate as well, just making these services accessible to the smaller business owner. So Andrea previously worked at a corporate firm and noticed a gap in the legal industry where no one was really catering to the small innovative startup brands that she kept seeing all over social media, which I think is something you guys will see throughout this episode that she is super involved in that. So, you know, she was really in this entrepreneur space and saw firsthand the importance of building a business with a solid foundation, but knew how many businesses just didn't have the funds. And so that actually led her to develop Legalpreneur. And in addition to running her company, she's a mom of two in Houston um, and is very passionate about health, wellness, poker, and business. So Andrea, (laughs) I am so excited to have you join us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited about this. Yes, it is so good to have you here because I feel like a lot of what I've seen kind of dominating and maybe it's just like my algorithms, but particularly (laughs) TikTok lately Mm -hmm. has been like, oh my gosh, like trademark, copyright, how I have to protect my stuff. And it's not something that I had thought about too much until people were like, no, there are serious legal ramifications. So, you know, I know we've previously done a episode on, you know, kind of the, the basics of business and formation from a legal perspective, but I am so excited to dig a little bit deeper into more of this intellectual property space. So, you know, just to give our listeners a little introduction, can you tell a little bit about yourself um, and your business? Yeah. So I actually started my first business in law school, not because I, you know, was bored or anything. I was busy enough, (laughs) but I was poor and I needed to make money. And in law school, you actually really can't work, especially your first year. So I started my business, which was selling on Poshmark and I started my own clothing boutique and that actually just, I'm not going to say it went crazy, but it grew pretty quickly. And we opened a brick and mortar store, started manufacturing, but then I realized, okay, I don't want to be a boutique owner for the rest of my Mm. life. And so I sold it. And at the same time, I also got the big law firm job, like the dream job. I was in Cincinnati, Ohio at the time. I was on the 38th floor. I could watch a Cincinnati Reds game from my office, which I am a huge baseball fan. So that was a huge deal for me. So from the outside looking in, everything looked perfect, but I was absolutely miserable. I have the literal same story. (laughs) 
it was insane. Like I remember the first week I was at the office, it hit me. I was sitting there and I was like watching these old men in three piece suits walk by. And I was like, Oh my gosh, they've been here since they were my age. And I don't, I can't sit in this chair. Yes. I was like, I can't sit in this chair for the next 40 years of my life. And so immediately I'm like trying to plan my exit, but at the same time, I had an eight month old. So my oldest is, he's about to be six in a week from today and he was eight months old at the time and my now ex-husband was staying home with him and so imagine me going home starting this brand new job making more money than I thought I would ever make and saying I hate it I want to (laughs) quit and so obviously that didn't go over too well so I was trying to stick it out and and at this time I, so from that first business, so there's a reason why I mentioned the first business, those boutique owners that I created a network with, I had a lot of business friends, they were reaching out to me asking for help. They're like, Hey, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? So I think I'm a rock star and I'm like, okay, the firm's going to love me. I'll just be a rainmaker at this firm. Like I, like, this is my place in the firm. I'm just going to, you know, bring in all these, all this new business. No, they literally told me to my face we don't want small businesses. They're not quality clients. And a lot of these businesses, they were actually business owners that I looked up to whenever I had my boutique. So I knew like they were quality. And at the same time, they didn't know who to go to. They needed help, but they didn't know who to go to. So I was like, why not me? You know, those TikTok videos, like the trend where it's like, uh, my toxic trait is seeing somebody like do something crazy and thinking oh I can do that like that was was like oh I could just go be that attorney (laughs) which funny enough I remember last year I was sitting in my house and I just had like this flashback to that moment sitting in that office and I was like that would be so cool if I could be like that go-to attorney for online businesses and then I was like sitting in my house and I was like holy shit like it came true like here it is (laughs) but anyway so that basically I was planning my exit from the firm because I just knew it wasn't going to work but at the same time my ex-husband didn't want me to start my own firm, which I get it. He was staying home. It sounded like, you know, the sure thing making, you know, six figures right out of the gate, Mm -hmm. but I, I wasn't happy. And I just knew, well, I I feel like there's times where we, we think we know we're going to make business, make money in our business, but we still don't know for sure. Mm -hmm. So it was a Monday. I feel like you have a feeling like I always tell people, I'm like, I know I'm meant to be successful. Like that sounds crazy. And like, it kind of sounds, if you say it to the wrong person, they're like, okay, like you're so yeah. like, Sometimes you just know. Like, oh, you know. meant to be. Oh, absolutely. But like, yeah, you, you do just know if that's what's meant for you. Absolutely. And that's honestly what I've learned so much over my lifetime is, okay, and so I don't want to fast forward too much of my story, but basically the last two and a half years has been like this deep healing journey after leaving my ex-husband. And what I have learned is like, if it's on my heart, it, like that's what I meant to be doing mm-hmm. and I wanted to start my own firm and so I it was a Monday we were planning on leaving Cincinnati to move to Houston which is where we are now my family's here and Monday we put our house for sale Wednesday I remember texting my husband saying like I'm so miserable I want to quit I think we have enough money to hold us over for the move and he says just wait until we have a contract on the house and then you can quit I was like, perfect. Like that makes so much sense. Like I can do that. (laughs) So I'm literally like, but I mean, I was literally about to go quit on Wednesday. And he was like, just wait till we have a contract. I'm like, okay. Friday comes around and my 
mentor and the managing partner walk into my office and immediately I know what's going on. And mind you, I'm like five minorities rolled into one. And so I knew that if I ever got fired, they would have to offer me a severance package. So it was kind of me holding on as long as possible to get that severance package. And so they <laughs> finally they come in and they're like, okay, we're going to have to like rearrange your position or we can just give you three months pay and you go find a job. And I, it takes everything in me not to look sad, but inside I'm like, finally, I manifested getting fired. <laughs> and so I'm like looking sad and it's Friday morning, thankfully. And they're like, take the weekend, take the rest of the day, think about it. I was like, okay, I'll see. I'll think about it and let you know. I packed up my shit so fast, left that office, signed <laughs> the like, paper. Little did you know. Yes. Oh my gosh. I started my firm that night. I posted in like the Facebook groups where I knew all the boutique owners had my first client that night. My law firm was born and the rest is history. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I love that. And there's so many parallels to like mine as well. I feel like a lot of us coming out of, you know, professional toxic, honestly, oh my, awful, awful, <laughs> have the same stories of like, you just know. And especially for me, like I watched the way the firms would approach things. And I saw like, because they're like so big firms, like so much red tape, you're like, imagine what I could do if like mm -hmm. I had control of like doing things yes so, exactly yeah, I love hearing that and you like in the experience you had you know from running that boutique starting up yeah. and seeing actually what problems I again it's so parallel yeah. I had the exact same thing I had a business partner we started a business and I got to see firsthand the things and it's so interesting to be like yeah sure I, I have a business degree and like I know all this conceptually but I learned so much more about what I do with my clients now from doing actually like running a business yes <laughs> like I remember the first time we hired employees and I was like I literally do not know how to run payroll like yeah. I have a master's <laughs> degree in tax like I, I have a master's degree in business and I and I don't know how to run payroll mm -hmm. so like all these little things that then start to click when I'm like okay this is what you do like this so yeah it's so it's so different actually being in it and having experience yeah. and I love that perspective from you because now as you build your firm, you know exactly from the business owner side, like yeah. what they're looking for. And I think that's why I was so successful very quickly because I, I, so now, so we had the law firm, the law firm hit a million dollars within two years. And now we've transitioned to just legalpreneur, which is the legal tech company. And mm -hmm. now that we're raising money from investors, they're like, well, what makes you different? And I'm like, look, I grew my law firm so quickly because I'm not just a lawyer that's saying like, oh, I can serve businesses. This is what I do. I'm that lawyer that actually was the business owner. I ran a complete, like running a law firm, like, yes, it's a business, but it's not like, it's not a normal business. And so people always ask me like, why do you, like, why did you do so well? And because attorneys always come to me and they're like, they're like, why, um, you know, like I need help. Like, can you mentor me? Can you coach me? And <laughs> literally it's because they think they're a lawyer first, not a business owner first. And that's what I, the first thing I tell attorneys or anybody, I'm like, you have to be a business owner first, not a lawyer first, because it doesn't matter how good of a lawyer you are if you don't have clients. And I like, 
this is going to sound bad, but hopefully you understand what I'm saying. I never tried to be the best attorney I could be. I always tried to be oh the best no, I business owner. Yes. Team. Well, and the thing is, we're not bad at what we do by any means. But like, sure, there are people who know the tax code a lot better than me. I, I know where my limitations are and I know who to ask if I have limitations. And that's mm-hmm. what it takes. But from a client perspective, like, again, I say this in the nicest way possible. They don't know. No, if they don't. Our job right or not. Mm-hmm. What they know is do they feel taken care of? Oh, yes. And like, that's what I've been focusing on. And it sounds like, you know, the same thing for you. It's like, you care about the client experience. Like if I go to my client and I'm like, look at all these transactions that I categorized properly and put on your return, they'd be like, okay. But yeah. if I call them and I'm like, hey, how are things going? How's yep. your kid? How's this? They're like, wow, Christy cares You care, about yes. <laughs> That's a, literally the same thing. Literally the same thing. And <laughs> so what I found so funny was I never put an emphasis on trying to be the best trademark attorney. Like obviously I wanted to, do a great job for my clients. But Mm -hmm. so last year it was actually the first ranking for like the actual best trademark attorneys. So normally it's like who has the most filings, who has the most, this, the most, that. And I never cared about those. I'm like, I don't, I just don't care. But last year they came out with these rankings for the best trademark attorneys, which aggregated all the data versus like, uh, okay, these people filed the most and this, you know, basically from filing to registration, those success rates and out of 40,000 trademark attorneys, I was ranked number 27 and oh I slept on it for a long time. Cause I was like, Oh, I don't care. But then I started digging into it more. I was like, no, this actually means I'm good at my job. Not that yeah. I just filed the most applications. So when people, cause attorneys still, they're like, well, I, I gotta be good at this. And I'm like, no, you just got to know how to get clients and you figure out the rest. Mm-hmm. Yes. Somebody told me really early in my career, they were like, you don't have to know that you can do it. You just have to know that you have the resources to figure it yes. out. Yes. Oh, that's and good. I, was like, I like that. That really changed me. I was like, well, do I know a lot of other people who are a lot smarter than me? Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. And anytime I have a question, I'm like, well, I don't know that, but I know I have someone in my network who knows yeah. that. And like, it's something I can figure out. Like I know the basis of what I'm doing. So if someone in my network can figure it out, that's, yeah, that's exactly the same approach I've taken. And it's so good to hear that. It's like, I think there's definitely something about being on the business owner side first Mm -hmm. and then learning how exactly they want to be served. So I want to dig a little bit into, you know, kind of what you work on, um, the IP stuff, all making sure, you know, what do we even need to know about this as a business owner, protecting ourselves, everything, give us it all. Yeah. So as you can tell, trademarks are my bread and butter. And I always tell people, which throws them off. Even if you have a product-based business, your most valuable asset is your intellectual property. Even in the, the way I paint this is think about Nike, obviously a billion dollar brand, worldwide brand. If all of their merchandise and stick with me, I know this is not realistic, but if if all of their merchandise was ruined in a fire or a tornado, like the tornado that hit where I am yesterday, if all of their merchandise was ruined and they had nothing to sell, would they be out of business? Would they be bankrupt? No. Absolutely not. And it is because of their brand. And this is where it gets into what's the difference between a business and a brand. A business is somebody that is doing something to make a profit and a brand 
is somebody that is able to be identified compared to another brand, to another company. So there's a difference between a business and a brand. And a lot of people already have a business, but they don't have a brand. And a brand is how you are able to add value to your business because the more valuable your brand is, the way more valuable your company is, which it sounds like it's one and the same, but essentially the more intellectual property you have, the more valuable you are as a company mm-hmm. overall. So you wouldn't pay as much for those shoes if they didn't have the Nike logo. Exactly. On exactly. So oh, very high level overview, intellectual property, you have patents, trademarks, and copyrights. Patents are new inventions, not something I cover. It's a whole nother ball game, but trademarks and copyrights, trademarks identify your brand. So this is your brand name, your logo, your slogan, a product name, a service name, your podcast name, a course name, anything in your business that has a unique name to it, most likely can be protected with a trademark. And then we have copyrights, which is your content, your creative work, your blog posts, your videos, your photos, these podcast episodes, anything that you're consistently creating that is most likely protected with a copyright. And the thing about copyrights is you automatically have protection the moment the work is created. You don't have to have a registration, whereas for trademarks, you do have to have a federal registration in order to have federal rights. And when it comes to intellectual property, now that a lot of businesses are online, it is actually a lot easier to police your work online. So many times people, I mean, this you know, Facebook groups where people ask a question, you get a million different answers from a million different people. (laughs) But I've seen so many times where somebody asks, oh, should I get a trademark or a copyright or just asking about trademarks and copyrights. And there's always this guy who chimes in, who thinks he knows everything. And he's like, well, trademarks are only worth paper. It doesn't matter unless you have millions to sue somebody. And it's actually not the case. And I would say it probably was the case back in the early 2000s or 90s. But now that we're on the internet, there's so many things you can do on your own as a business owner that you don't even need an attorney to do to help you police your work online. So once you have the trademark registration, you can go to any online platform wherever you find somebody else infringing on your work and submit a trademark takedown. And this is why a trademark registration is more valuable than a copyright registration, in my opinion. And it is it varies for different businesses. It depends whether you rely more on trademarks or copyrights. But for the most part, trademarks, trademark registration will take you farther than a copyright registration. And it's because of the takedown process. So while well, I'll use Legalpreneur, for example. I didn't have Legalpreneur or the Legalpreneur on Instagram several years ago. Well, I got the, finally got the registration and submitted a trademark takedown to Instagram. Within 24 hours or 48 hours, both accounts were removed and they gave me the accounts. So within literally just a couple of days, I didn't have either of those. And then within a couple of days, I had both. So that's just that goes to show the power of trademark registrations. Now, for copyrights, you actually don't need a registration to prove that you have rights. And so you can go and submit takedowns for people infringing on your content without a registration. So if you're on TikTok and somebody used your video without your permission, they just reposted it as your own, that's copyright infringement, even if they gave you credit. 
So you can just go to TikTok, submit their copyright takedown form, also known as the DMCA, at Digital Millennium Copyright Act. Fill their form out, and within a couple of days, it'll be removed. And that goes for photos, videos, designs, anything. We we do this a lot for our clients that are creating a lot of copyrighted work because it can become a bear to go out and find the infringers, keep submitting those reports. And at the end of the day, we're not going to sue, but we just want that work removed online. Right. So from my understanding, I mean, feel free to correct me, but like the whole reason, and and I know you said this, the guy said, it's not worth it if you're not going to sue and you guys aren't planning on suing, but for someone who has built up a big identifiable brand, what the other person is doing is basically they're, they're like buying off your reputation. Like they are writing the coattails of your success in a way that like, they didn't earn is that kind of yeah the premise behind it yeah and I think one big example right now a lot of UGC creators their videos are being stolen and used by a different brand not even like the brand they created it for and so the brand is posting it as their own and I'm in some Facebook groups right now with um like influencers and UGC creators and every single day somebody's posting oh this other brand stole this this video and they used it as their own And they, and sometimes they'll say like, oh, they gave me credit or they didn't. But what you have to understand is it does not matter if they gave you credit. It is still copyright infringement, which same for you. If you steal somebody's photo and you want to give them credit, it's actually still copyright infringement. Gotcha. Okay. So definitely something for us to be thinking about and making sure, you know, we're not doing it to anybody. Nobody's doing it to us. So kind of on that note, something I want to talk about is like, what do we even have to think about, you know, trademarking or checking if it is trademarked? Because I know, mm-hmm. you know, we had the issue a few weeks ago with Anna Tatar's sweatshirt. Yes. It was. Yes. And I remember you commented on that on a lot, on that a lot. And to me, like an outsider looking in, I think the phrase was, it was something like, I'm so happy you're here. Yes. Or something yes. like that. And as an outsider, I was kind of shocked and surprised. Like, that you can maybe trademark a phrase or a word that might be super, super common and like how we can prevent other people from using that. And I don't honestly didn't follow the whole resolution of everything, yeah. but you know, would love for you to dig into, you know, can we, do we need to be thinking about full phrases, common things people say, like, is that eligible to be trademarked? Yeah. So that was such an interesting one because there was so much to unpack there. And, for and those, I don't think we know the whole story for sure. Yeah. So for those listening, if you, hopefully you know who Anna Sitar is on TikTok, if not, um, just look up Anna Sitar and she'll pop up. <laughs> I think she has like 12 million followers yeah. and she's a great creator, very likable. And she launched her brand. I'm so no, I don't think it was called. I'm so happy you're here. I think that was like what the sweatshirt. Well, yeah, said. only she, yes, she only had a sweatshirt only called product. Yeah. yeah, and there's another small business, and I know they had a sweatshirt or a shirt or products with the same phrase. I'm so happy you're here. Well, that small business posted on Instagram stories. I don't know if they ever posted on TikTok about it, that it was like very like a subtweet, like when you are selling this for years and then a creator with 12 million followers comes and cop like copies you or rip, rips you off. I don't know. It was some something like that. And so that started the tea. And what's so funny, I was on vacation and I, my assistant, 
she sent it to me. She's like, Hey, I know you're on vacation, but there's a lot of people talking about this and you may want to, uh, you know, talk about it. I was like, Oh my gosh, thank you. (laughs) By the way, that video that I made about it got me my first million video view. (laughs) I know. I remember like I saw it and I was like, seeing that was like what started me super down this. Like, I think I had to stop because I like wouldn't stop researching it because I'm that kind of person well same but I was like going down this rabbit hole and I was like I have to stop (laughs) yeah so basically everybody wants to know like who's in there who's right who's wrong and people thought Anna Sitar was wrong I actually don't think she was wrong and the small business tried to say that she had a trademark but she had only filed for the trademark and I went to look at the trademark application and it was all jacked up so I (laughs) don't think it'll even no I don't it won't get through and the thing is when you have there's a lot when I say there's a lot to unpack there's a lot to unpack here so when you have a common phrase it can be protected a lot of the time unless it is generic which generic is if you have a clothing boutique and you call it the clothing store you're never ever ever going to be able to protect that with the trademark but if you have a clothing store called the mechanic shop. Like that's obviously a common phrase, but it is, you're trying to register it in something that has nothing to do with actually being a mechanic shop. So it really just depends what you're trying to register, how you're trying to register it, because there's 45 different classes of goods and services with the trademark office. You have to file for at least one class. And so with that being said, there's not one general trademark. You have to file only for what you're actually selling or what services you're providing. So when so there's that. And now with that common phrase being on a shirt or a sweatshirt or a cap or a mug, the trademark office actually views that as being ornamental, which means it's just there for decoration. It's not there to identify a brand. Oh. Which so it's is, not like her saying this is my brand name. Correct. Because even the other small business, that wasn't her business name. That was not her brand name. Same thing for Anna Sitar. They were just selling a shirt with a phrase on it, the same phrase. Many people do that. And unless it's a phrase that identifies a brand that is protected with a trademark, you can sell any phrase you want on a t-shirt. Think about just do it with Nike. Nike, obviously it's trademarked. They're not going to let any other brand sell anything with just do it on it because that's going to cause confusion with their brand so I don't think anything else ended up coming of it because I commented like hell on all those video on everything and people were asking me questions left and right and I think that small business probably was like oh shit I probably shouldn't have said anything because she's in the wrong and well and just the general public perception of like a very beloved creator mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah and people were people were saying stuff like, oh, Anna Sitar's marketing team should have done this or that. And I'm like, she's actually not in the wrong. So I don't think, like, I wanted to, like, I was hoping Anna would reach out to me and be like, hey, is it okay if I sell this? And I'd be like, yes, girlfriend, go <laughs> off. Like, you can still sell it. Because I think she removed it and never put it back on the website. Um, but, yeah, every, anytime there's a common phrase on a shirt, it's ornamental. That being said, you can get some protection for it. And this is going down a further rabbit hole. (laughs) 
with trade <laughs> with trademarks there's two registries the general public does not know there's two registries there is the principal and the supplemental registry a supplemental it print you always want to be on the principal registry but if you can't be on the principal for one reason or another you can be on the supplemental which gets you secondary protection really the only time it becomes an issue is when there's actually a trademark lawsuit if you're on the principal registry and there's a lawsuit the other party has to prove you do not have trademark rights but if you're on the supplemental then you still have to prove that you do have trademark rights and it helps to show like hey we're on the supplemental we're still enforcing it as if it is a trademark so there i mean there's a whole whole thing there but with the i'm so happy you're here or anything that's on a t-shirt it will always be ornamental and it will always have to be on the supplemental registry and to take things a little further let's say because this has come up and i'm trying to think of an example for the brands but let's say a brand is called abc and they are protected with a trademark for clothing. It's class 25, closing shoes, hats. And then somebody wants to have a t-shirt with the phrase on the front, ABC. They're, and I think this is going to eventually end up at the Supreme Court because the courts are split on it right now. Some courts will say if that phrase is on a t-shirt, it doesn't count as trademark infringement because it's not causing confusion with consumers because it's not identifying as the brand it's just there for decoration mm -hmm. so that's a big split right now like so if you see a brand that is actually trademarked for clothing but another brand has it as a phrase as a t-shirt is that trademark infringement that's a big one that's up in the air right now <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah there's a lot of details with trademarks and this is the stuff that i really geek out on so anytime wow. i find anytime y'all ever find anything on tiktok with trademarks or copyrights or anything that you're like oh my gosh we need to find a legal expert to comment on this please tag me at the legalpreneur i love commenting on that stuff yes okay so kind of taking a step back i know you said about copyright so like the minute you create that work you are kind of guaranteed the copyright but from my understanding, trademark is not quite the same. You actually have to be the first to register regardless mm -hmm. of who uses it when. Is that correct? Kind of. Kind <laughs> of. <laughs> kind of. So yes, copyrights, Everything as long as is it is. like it is an account. It depends. It depends. Um, it, depends. <laughs> it depends. It depends. So copyrights, yes. The moment you create the work, as long as it is unique and original, protect it with a copyright. Now for trademarks. The rule is whoever is to use it first has priority to the name. Okay. If somebody else starts after you in business and they go and file, and get, file the trademark, they will get that registration. However, you can come and cancel their registration. So you have but to fight it. It'd be a process. You have to fight it and you only have five years to fight it. Well, basically the first renewal is between five and six years. So until they make that initial renewal, mm -hmm. you you can cancel it. However, this is why you still want to get the trademark as soon as possible. Because we've I've seen every single situation of this with our clients. You, If you have to go and then cancel somebody's registration, you're going to spend $10,000, $20,000, $30,000 plus 
trying to cancel that other registration. Whereas you could have just spent a little bit of money up front to get the registration and been good to go. And I get it. What happens most often is clients are like, I didn't even know. I had no idea about trademarks. And that's why I'm so big on educating and teaching as many business owners as possible. Like, hey, this is a thing. It doesn't matter how small of a business you are. It's still a thing that you need to be concerned with. Because if not, you're going to be spending way more money down the line. Yeah. So when we start to look at um, trademarking things, that really gets us the benefit and the ability to then almost kind of monetize these things. Oh, yeah. We have a brand name. We can, you know, start clothing, hats, whatever off of it. Is that something you commonly see? Oh, yeah, for sure. And once you have trademark registrations, there's a lot you can do with it. And I... I know it's a buzzword, but trademarks truly can create passive income. And I don't know if you saw the Disney videos that I posted, Mm -hmm. but Disney is the biggest licensor in the world. And the majority or the most of Disney's revenue comes from licensing deals. It's not from their, their actual product sales or revenue from the Disney parks or anything. It comes from actual licensing. So they create the copyrights, the trademarks. Mm -hmm. And then other people are like, hey, let me pay you so I can create this other thing with it. And that's how Disney makes the most of their money. And so I tell people, once you create a brand and you have trademarks, you're able to create passive income through licensing. That's really interesting because Disney basically spent the time and the money to build up that brand Mm -hmm. and then said to someone else, if you want access to it, Mm -hmm. you can pay me. But you're not just going to make money off of, you know, my intellectual property without me getting a share of it. So, okay, love all of this. And it sounds really like trademarks can kind of be used in one of two very specific ways. So, like, the first is just to protect your brand identity. It's like nobody else can say anything without you having permission, which for me, that's huge because I think, you know, your reputation, both as a business owner, I, um, you know, creator, whatever that looks like is huge, especially the more we get into the digital era, your reputation online as a person, as a brand is so, so important. But the actual other way you can use it is to maintain that brand, but then sell it to people who you do approve. And I think that's really important to say, you know, I know there are brands who say, okay, well, when you use this, you have to follow, you know, this color scheme, this you have to keep it the exact way that I created it to maintain the integrity of the brand. Yeah. And the biggest ways I'm seeing it right now. So a lot of coaches, I've been trying to preach this for years to coaches, create a certification program because you're eventually you get to the point or hopefully you get to the point where you literally can't like, you can't coach anybody else, but people want to coach what you're coaching. And so you certify them to then go coach it. And that's a license. That is a license. Ooh. And then product-based businesses, you also have collaborations. You can have somebody um, like ta- Target and Ulta. That's a license collaboration. So th- there's so many licenses in the world that you don't realize they're licenses. So it's really a matter of protecting, building a brand, protecting it, and then finding those people that still want to continue using it in more than possibly a way that you're using it and Mm -hmm. just sit back and collect some checks. 
Yeah. And that really allows you to build your brand in a strategic way if you have those, you know, the partnerships that really make sense. Mm -hmm. Because it might be somebody who has a whole different, you know, audience or or gets you in a different place. That's awesome. You can build your brand, make money, sit back and just be like, yeah, I'm I'm me. I made the brand. I had the idea. Oh my gosh. Okay. We're going to think of a way for this to happen. Yeah. (laughs) There is actually a trademark in process for the podcast name. So, you know, we are... I, I keep seeing all these things everywhere. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, thank you for telling me because yeah, there's so many things. I, I very much say like businesses, like you don't know what you don't know, exactly. Um, unfortunately, yep. until it happens to you. And yeah. so I'm so thankful for people like you coming on and being like, hey, here are all the things you do need to know. So, you know, on intellectual property, outside of, you know, the things we've discussed, are there things that we should be aware of as a business owner, you know, getting started? What, what do we not know yet? Well, I always tell people like overall as a business owner, there's the core three that you need to be concerned with. And that's your entity. Basically, if you're a small business Mm -hmm. owner, your LLC contracts, always use written contracts, Mm -hmm. and then your intellectual property. Those are the core three that every single business needs. And then every business will have additional needs, but those are the core three for every single business. And basically that's what I cover in my book, the legal preneur, the business owner's guide to legally protecting your business. That was a labor of love, which is officially out there in the world <laughs> and really exciting. But the book really, cause we educate for free all like the podcast mm-hmm. so much on social media. And yeah. I just wanted one place where people were like, teach me everything I need to know well, you could pay me to talk for hours or you can just go pick up the book and learn everything in that book. So that's what the book is. Yes, I love that. Very much something we should definitely be looking at because again, you know, it's just something, what do we not know that we have to be thinking about? So, okay, we have just recapped so much. I'm so excited for everything we've talked about and I think our listeners will find this very, very useful. But if they want to reach out if they have questions if they you know want to get a trademark what does that look like how can they contact you yeah so we're on social media at the legalpreneur we have the legalpreneur podcast the legalpreneur.com has all of our resources all of everything we have our we have a trademark course we have llc filings we have contract templates and then our signature product is our legalpreneur membership which gets you all access to your own attorney so that's everything we got and would love to have any of y'all there. Yeah. Amazing. Well, I love that you have access to an attorney. It's kind of like a year round thing. Just, just that like level of protection being Mm -hmm. like, I know someone's on my side. I know someone's there for me because, you know, especially in legal, I always tell people, you don't want to be reaching out when you need it. <laughs> yes. That, you, yep. you don't have time to find the right person. You don't, you're like, you're ur- like, it's urgent. The person you are talking to doesn't already know you. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just a bad place to be. Oh, yeah. And that's why, so our membership, we put a huge emphasis on that proactive protection. So, like, mm-hmm. once you get in, the first thing we do is a business audit to identify all, everything you have, everything you need to protect. And really, because a lot of, like, Legal Zoom, Rocket Lawyer, those memberships, they're like, call us anytime you have a new issue. And we're like, mm, we actually don't want you to have issues. So we're going to make sure you're protected from the beginning. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So to all of our listeners, all of these will be in the show notes. So you'll see 
all the links to both uh, go to the Legalpreneur website as well as follow Andrea on. Of course, you have to follow her on TikTok. Yeah. Um, you'll find me in there too. And go follow her on Instagram so that you can get this, you know, this free education she's putting out. And then, of course, go look for that book. That will be so, so helpful for you as a business owner, just knowing all of these things that, you know, we, we just don't always know from the start. So, Andrea, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you. And to our listeners, we will see you next week. Bye.